The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. Corporate sponsors may from time to time be the subject of buy and or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks newsletter. However, as host of Turning Hard Times into Good Times, Jay Taylor retains the right to provide objective opinions on behalf of subscribers and to his listeners audience regardless of sponsorship. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Call me cause I can't go I owe my soul to the company store Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome, I am your host, Jay Taylor. I'm also the editor of Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks newsletter, and you can learn more about that by going to my website at Mining Stocks, that's M-I-N-I-N-G-S-T-O-C-K-S dot com. Well, I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, and I also want to thank our sponsors, Coral Gold, Hawthorne Exploration, and Palangial Exploration. Only with uh, the sponsors, and of course you listening to the show, is it possible or does it even make any sense to show up here every Tuesday and talk to you? But, you know, the purpose of this show really is to help ordinary investors understand what is really going on what is really driving these markets. And we mean to say that we don't think you're getting the straight dope in the mainstream. We really don't believe you are. The mainstream has its own vested interest. It wants you to keep buying the paper products that they're producing. That's how they make money. They don't particularly want you to buy gold and silver and other things that are very difficult to extract from the earth. They can't produce those things so easily. They can produce paper very easily and electronic money, and that's what they're doing, and they're picking your pockets as a result of it. So what we're trying to do is help people understand the real underlying cause, and we approach economics really from an Austrian point of view. Uh, That is completely different from the Keynesian and monetarist economics that you've been taught in college and wherever you've learned in the mainstream media. And we've fared pretty well using uh, this Austrian model, just to give you an idea, an idea of how well we've done, our model portfolio, $1,000 invested in it in January of 2000, would be worth now $2,286. If you had bought Abby Joseph Cohen's favorite investment, the S&P 500, back in January of 2000, it would have shrunk to $629. That's $1,000 investment to $629. That's as of this last week. This week's special guest is Jeff Schuler. He's the director of research for Spiker Metals. That's a bullion trading firm. Jeffrey believes that we're going to be heading for some very difficult times 
Hyperinflation is what Jeff sees on the horizon, and we've been talking to you a great deal about deflation. We've had various guests on our show who are proponents of a deflationary view. Well, you're going to get the other side of it today with Mr. Schuler. How should one own gold? I should tell you that our model portfolio has performed so well, mostly because gold has been at the at basically the foundation of our portfolio. There are many different ways that you can own gold. You can own gold physically and silver, I might add, as well. And I think you should do that. I think everybody should own some gold coins and silver coins and have them in their possession. Goldmoney.com is another way I would recommend. You can check it out, goldmoney.com is another way to own gold. The Central Fund of Canada is a very convenient way to own gold and silver. All three of those methods I employ for my own portfolio and suggest to my readers that they do the same. Another way that you can own gold is by owning the shares. Now, there is a higher level of risk in owning shares than in owning the metal itself, but there's also a lot bigger returns that can be gained by owning the shares, and that's true because of a couple of factors. First of all, if the price of gold rises very dramatically, it's not likely that the cost is going to rise with that increase in the price of gold. So your profit margins increase, and the profitability of gold mining companies improve, and the share prices go up as a result. The other factor, and the one I think is most exciting, and we're going to touch on that in just a moment with a couple of guests, is to own the junior mining companies. What's really exciting about the junior exploration companies is that when these little, tiny little market cap companies find a significant amount of gold, it has a dramatic influence on its uh, its value. So, for example, a small company finds a million ounces, it can be a big deal. So we have those dynamics going for gold mining, and gold mining companies are really at the heart of our model portfolio and why we've been so successful over the years. Um, We're going to talk to executives from two companies this week, we're going to talk to David Wolfen of Coral Gold and then Richard Barkley uh, of, um, of, Hawthorne, uh, of, of Hawthorne Gold Corp. as well. Uh, first, we're going to turn to David. David? Hi, Jay. Hey, welcome. Welcome to our show. Uh, David Thank you very is, much. The, is the president of Coral Gold Resources. Uh, the website, uh, for those of you, we, we really hope that you'll follow up because we're not going to have time to, to get into this as much as we would like today, but coralgold.com is the website. Uh, for coal, uh, for coral uh, gold resources, coral gold trades on the Toronto Exchange. CLH is its symbol. Uh, it also trades on the bulletin board under uh, the symbol is CLHRF. It's selling at around fifty cents, I believe, right now in U.S. money. There's only twenty-five million, slightly less than twenty-five million shares outstanding. So that's really about a ten million dollar, mm, a little more than that, million dollar market cap, eleven twelve million dollar market cap, perhaps. Uh, it has 2.3 million ounces of gold in the ground. David, could you tell our listeners what you're planning to do? You get 2.3 million ounces of gold in a project in Nevada. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about it? How That's do you correct. plan to build and if wealth you take with that, that project? Uh, gold and divide it by the market cap, you're buying gold at under $5 U.S. per ounce in the ground. Coral um, was incorporated in 1982, so we've uh, been around a long time, approximately 27 years. All of that time has been spent in Nevada. We acquired a project in the in the middle of the 1980s called the Robertson Project, and we amassed about 10,000-plus acres of ground directly beside uh, Placer Dome's Gold Acres mine. Um, we immediately started uh, drilling, and we built up uh, quite a bit of uh, gold resource in the ground, and we're currently sitting at around 2.3 million ounces of gold. Um, during that time, Barrick 
took over Placer Dome, and they own the whole project, which completely surrounds us. This is the pipeline mine, the Gold Acres mine, and the Cortez Hills deposit. Cortez Hills is a is a great new discovery for them. They're spending half a billion dollars um, putting the project in production, and they expect to get that payback within the first 12 months of operating. So you're in a fantastic area. Uh, location is key in mining, and we're, we feel we're in the best place on the planet to be um, exploring and developing gold resources. We feel that one day they're going to um, want our gold in the ground and to process through their mills. So that's what we've been doing is just drilling and building up resources and and being patient. And we asked uh, people to hold uh, coral shares and wait for the takeover premium. Well, David, I noticed that you've only got, uh, as I said, just slightly under 25 million shares outstanding, which is a low number of shares, really. You've done a remarkable job of, of minimizing dilution, which is not like a lot of the companies that I follow. You have Barrick then is spending a lot of their own money, are they not, to earn into this project? Is that the way it is? And, and are they drilling now, did you say? Uh, do you expect some uh, some results sometime soon? They're supposed to start drilling uh, in July. On uh, We've divided the property in three groups. We have a joint venture with them in two groups, and uh, they're going to drill one of them in July. We do have the 100% owned ground, which holds the 2.3 million ounces of gold, and we're just permitting that for drilling right now. Okay, well, that's really exciting. I, I think that uh, so really what people need to do is, uh, is exercise some patience. I tell my subscribers all the time, you know, you really the re- you can be richly rewarded when these companies come through with something major, and I and I these guys certainly are located in elephant country. And with a company like Barrick uh, trying to find some, you know they're not going to go for something small. So, folks, I think you want to, you know, pay attention, keep your eye on Coral Gold, CLHRF. Um, David, that's all we have time for now. Thank you very much, and we'll hope we can talk to you again sometime soon. Thank you very much. Look forward to it. Likewise. Uh, we have Richard Barkley with us now, and I think also uh, Patrick McGrath. Are you both there? Yes, we are. Thanks, Jay. Uh, great. Um, welcome, uh, uh, Richard and uh, and Patrick uh, your website is hawthorngold.com, I believe, um, and uh, Hawthorne Gold trades HGC as a symbol in Toronto, and it also trades in the pink sheets in the U.S., HWTHF, and that's the way I usually buy these these mining companies. You know, folks, I really, if, the com- if these companies trade primarily in Toronto, in the Canadian uh, markets, I don't feel any reservations at all about buying these stocks on the pink sheets, and as I say, that's the way I buy them. I do own Hawthorne Gold, I might say, and it is a recommendation or newsletter, selling at about $0.32. Cents. You uh, have some resources in the ground right now. Could you tell us how many ounces you have and where are those ounces? Yeah, Jay, we've, we've got the uh, Cassiar Gold Mine in northern British Columbia, and we've got a uh, high-grade. It's, it's produced a half a million ounces in, in the past, uh, half ounce. Mm-hmm. We've got about uh, a year ahead of us, about 25,000 ounces in that high grade. Mm-hmm. As well, we have uh, a low-grade open pitable deposit, the Taurus, which adjoins uh, our, our Cassiar gold mine, and it's a million ounces of little over uh, 0.05, 0.06 ounces per ton. Oh, that's not bad for open pit. Does that have a lot of upside exploration potential? Yeah, it does. Uh, we, we feel over the whole property, and it's 54 uh, square uh, kilometers, we've we've got the potential to grow the open pit, uh, three to five million ounce, and uh, of low grade uh, resource, 
as well, we've got the high grade uh, that there's multiple veins that we're uh, busy drilling uh, this season and, and developing uh, additional resources. So it's the it's very blue sky, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of potential on the property. So the strategy, as I understand it here, is to get the Table Mountain project into production on a small scale this year, and you're suggesting possibilities of, of producing upwards to 25,000 ounces in a year, and starting when? Uh, we're, we're looking, we're getting underground uh, this month, and we're looking at either the last quarter uh, 2009 or first quarter uh, 2010 to, to get the mill operating and, and production started. Uh, so do you have any idea of what the cost of production might be? Is that something you can talk about at this time? Yeah, it's in uh, our, our financial models that have been put together by our VP uh, operations, uh, Mike Petrina. Uh, it's in the 425 uh, U.S. per ounce. Well, that certainly with gold selling at around 900 to 950, somewhere in that range, should should make a nice little profit. Then you plan to use that cash flow to develop the Taurus. Is that it? And you also have another... Uh, another low-grade open pit bulk mineable target in British Columbia as well. Is that right? Yeah, it's a Fraser Gold deposit, and it's in the Caribou Gold District. Uh, it's it's uh, a low-grade. It's it's similar to uh, the Perica 2 deposit in Brazil, which is owned by Kinross, and they've they built that up to to uh, tens of millions of ounces uh, low-grade production. Uh, and we have a similar uh, sediment-hosted deposit in British Columbia. We've got some neighbors such as Sky Gold who are drilling off a similar size deposit. And it, it's in the, the 1 to 2 million ounce uh, range right now, and we're, we have the potential to build it up. Uh, it, it'll, it, it's a longer-term uh, project for us uh, versus our, our near-term production up at Cassiar. I should mention uh, to my listeners, for the benefit of my listeners, that uh, you always want to pay attention to the management, the track record of management. And... Hawthorne Gold has an outstanding management. Uh, Richard, you're to be commended for your excellent success in the past uh, with El Dorado, I believe, and Bema Gold. You were involved in, in uh, you know, on the technical side of building those companies. And folks, you want to you want to really be aware of that. Look at the managements, and and when you consider uh, consider investing in a company like Hawthorne, take that into consideration because it's really all about management. Mining is a very difficult business. And uh, you need you need the best technical people possible. You need people that can also raise money efficiently. And I think in the, in the person of Patrick McGrath, certainly as the, the chief financial officer of the company, um, that this is a company that's very very well founded. Uh, you're, how many shares do you have outstanding now, Patrick? Uh, it's currently about 74 million shares issued outstanding. Okay, so and your share price is about where now today? It's in the in the low 30 cents. Wow. So you can see it's a very small market cap. And, folks, this is what I was saying earlier on. These small mining companies, if they find a million, two million, three million, four million ounces, who knows? This, Both of these uh, bulk mineable targets have huge upside potential. And the Cassier Table Mountain project also uh, is a very high-grade, very exciting mine. And I, th I think that you're going to have some drill results coming out pretty soon. Is that right, Patrick? Yeah, we... Weeks ago, that we started a 30,000 foot uh, drill program over the summer, and it started, like I said, two or three weeks ago, and we'll be having results coming out a little later on this summer, and it'll be pretty good news flow through the fall. Well, that's that's terrific, uh, guys. I think that's about all the time we have right now. Um, but I want to thank you, and I would uh, I would really suggest you folks go to 
visit the website of Hawthorne Gold. That's uh, hawthorngold.com to learn more about this company. I'll be talking about them in my newsletter. We'll no doubt be talking about them some more on this radio show. Thanks again, guys, for being with us. Uh, folks, we'll be right back with our special, uh, our special guest this week. Don't go away. markets up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The violent crime rate has begun to rise again. So what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life? With an optimistic perspective on a sober subject, crime prevention and personal safety expert Susan Bartlestone brings you the information, tips, resources, and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence. So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, here on Voice America. It'd be a crime not to listen. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. For asset security in uncertain times, gold has always been the investment of choice. One of the best ways to profit from gold investing is to buy shares in companies that are exploring and developing gold deposits. Coral Gold is a gold exploration and development company with over 2.3 million drill-indicated ounces of gold. Coral Gold's low market cap allows investors to participate with leverage in a rising gold market. Coral Gold has a long track record of success in Nevada, dating back over 25 years. Visit Coral Gold on the web today at CoralGold.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. 
Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. Well, from an Austrian economics perspective, uh, I recognize that the American economy and indeed the global economy is in a very pathological condition. And why is that so? Well, it's because we've gone off the gold standard. There is no standard anymore for the creation of money. We've created endless amounts of money. We've had quite an orgy for a number of decades, since 1971, when Nixon took us off the international gold standard. This has led, as the Austrians understand it, to enormous amounts of malinvestment. That is, investment that has not been put to good use. Uh, it's really an Austrian concept that the Keynesians and the monetarists don't really recognize, and that's, those are the schools of economics that we have all been brought up under in our Economics 101 classes. But it also means that we're creating huge amounts of debt that now we are not able to generate sufficient income to pay it off, which means that the government is trying to bail everybody out and have to print even more money to bail everybody out. So that's the problem is we are a bankrupt nation right now. In fact, maybe nearly so, a bankrupt world. The only question that I've had in my mind is whether we are heading towards, you know, how this is going to end. Uh, are we heading for a deflationary implosion, much as we did in the 1930s, and some people think even worse than that? Or could we end this thing in a, in a hyperinflationary fire? We've had uh, people like Ian Gordon, Miss Shedlack, Bob Hoy, and to a certain extent I would say, probably uh, Dr. Robert McHugh, on the deflation side. Well, today I'm glad to say we have another point of view. It's always good to keep an open mind about things. Our special guest today is Jeff Schuler. He is an award-winning head writer for Alexander Haig's World Business Review. He has hosted a very popular radio show in the past called Your Money Matters. Mr. Schuler has been one of the first analysts to predict the housing debacle, and he wrote an article called Low Interest Rate Mortgages, Are They Too Good to Be True? Well, we know now that they were too good to be true. A lot of people, especially Austrians, understood that a long time ago, but Jeff is to be commended for telling people, warning them ahead of time uh, about the problems that are heading our way. Jeffrey is now a director of research, and he's the chief analyst for Spiker Consulting, that is Spiker Metals. And you can follow Jeffrey's work. I believe the website is spikermetalnews.com. That's S-P-Y-K-E-R-M-E-T-L-N-E-W-S.com. Welcome, Jeffrey, and glad to have you with us, especially since you have taken this view that we're heading towards an inflation problem. Um, so I guess I'd like to, uh, well, first of all, just say welcome to our show. Oh, pleasure's mine, Jay. Pleasure's mine. Uh, so I'd like to get right into this issue of, hi- of hyperinflation. Inflation, how... How soon do you think we might be inflicted with this sort of uh, problem, and, and how bad will it get? Well, one of the things that uh, we have to watch out for is the way the numbers are being reported and the way they're being turned a little bit. It's going to be very difficult for the consumer to tell, except when they go to buy you know, food, groceries, gas, etc. cetera. Uh, but before we see the real wrath of inflation, six months, maybe 18 to 24 before it really kicks in. 16, uh, so a year, year and a half down the road? Yeah, a year, year and a half, I think, is when the real you know, uh, rubber is going to hit the road. Well, should, we should start seeing signs of it uh, within about six months or so. Uh, there are things out there that could change those numbers, but if everything keeps going the way it is right now, if, our government, or if the Federal Reserve keeps printing up paper, 
uh, if they keep trying to monetize uh, debt and bail everybody out, uh, it could happen not only sooner than that, it could also be more pervasive. Well, it's certainly your time scale, I might add, is very much like that of an economist named John Williams. Are you familiar with John Williams' work? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay, well, uh, I'll have to tell you about him, but I, I know John is absolutely convinced, and, and we're going to have to have him on the show sometime as well, but John is absolutely convinced that we're heading for inflation. And he, John points out, actually, that the total amount of money that the government is committed to pay for the baby boomers' retirement, and the um, you know Social Security as well as Medicare, and all the other obligations that the government has committed to, uh, John maintains that they couldn't tax us. Even if they taxed 100% of our income, they could not pay it all. It's and, not and physically possible for the government to complete the programs that it's put into place. That's, that's one factor uh, that's going to lead to it. But there are, there are others, and some of them are well beyond our borders and beyond our control. Well, how severe do you see this thing getting? I mean, you're talking hyperinflation. Are we talking about something that are, like Argentina, like Zimbabwe has now, like, like the German Weimar Republic, or what do you see? Well, I wrote something comparing it to the Weimar Republic. Uh, we could see that. I don't know. Here's the thing. America has tremendous resources, and it has tremendous people. Yeah. And when our country gets motivated, we can do just about anything. But right now, the government is putting a stranglehold on that, so some things are going to have to change. I don't, I, and I just can't as an American see us having to cart dollars or paper Fed notes uh, to the grocery store to buy a loaf of bread, but I can see something akin to the 30s happening, uh, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Well, we certainly see the government getting in the way of production, and, and I know there's always a balance with the environment and so forth, but I'm involved in the mining industry uh, you know, following the mining industry, and take uranium, for example. It's very, very difficult uh, for any company to open a uranium mine now because there's so much imbalance. The Canadians have a much better balance. I mean, they, yes, they're care, they care about the environment, but they're also very concerned about, you know, about producing real wealth. And produ production from the ground, you know, minerals is really sort of a basic uh, foundation upon which wealth is built. Would you agree? Oh, Absolutely. And manufacturing, of beyond, course. Beyond gold, silver, platinum, palladium, copper, bronze, that's basically wealth. Paper mm -hmm. is not wealth. It's mm -hmm. not even money. It's a ghost of money. Thomas Jefferson coined that a long time ago. Uh, but if people don't right now start to review uh, the situation and realize that money is, are, are assets, tangible assets like gold and silver, uh, they're going to get hurt. Well, we've seen enormous wealth destruction take place since, uh, well, since 2007. Um, and, you know, we're looking at, I can't remember how many trillions, actually I think something on the order of, I just read something on the order of 13 or 14 trillion dollars of household wealth has been lost. We're look, talking about real estate, we're talking about stocks. All manner of, of possessions have gone down in value since the fourth quarter of 07 through the first quarter of 09. Now, do you think that the government can actually you know, create enough money fast enough and, and channel it through the banking system in order to overcome this, these enormous deflationary pressures that we've seen. We've seen, you know, the equity markets uh, get cut almost in half. I mean, they, you know, from 14,000 and something, the Dow down to its lows was, you know, a tremendous mm -hmm. loss of wealth. Uh, likewise with real estate. And, and let me just ask you before we get any further, do you, what, are, what is your take on real estate? Have we seen the bottom of the, of the housing market yet? No. How much further do we have to go? At least another 50%. You're kidding. 50% no. from here. 
No, and I see another 50% in the stock market. And there's reasons for that. One, one is this. Uh, right now, we felt a big shock come from just one sector mm-hmm. of the mortgage market, and that was the high-risk, low-income lender mm-hmm. uh, and borrower. That we've seen and we've experienced it. We haven't really absorbed it. I mean, the government just changed the accounting rules. That stuff is still there. Uh, it's just behind a door. Uh, but there's two areas, there's two more shoes to drop. And these are, this is from people that I've been talking to out there that have these type of loans that are bankers and et cetera. One are the jumbo loans. Mm-hmm. A lot of people out there that made a good living that aren't making that living anymore, that opens, own small and medium-sized businesses that aren't doing so well, mm-hmm. they set up very similar loans. Five-year, three-year resets, interest only, 80, 90 to 100% finance. Those properties are anywhere from 20 to 50% lower now in valuation than they were when those loans were taken out. On top of that, a lot of those people took out home equity loans. If they had equity in there and the values went up, guess what? They monetized that themselves. They pulled it out to buy other things, bail themselves out. Those loans are getting to become reset time. That's a big shoe. The same thing happened in the commercial loan side. It used to be you had to have 30% down to get a piece of commercial property. A lot of loans in the last five years, same type of thing. Interest only, 20% down, some cases 10% down. But even if they put 30% down, Jay, there's a lot of real estate, commercial real estate, just here in southeast Florida mm-hmm. that's less 30 to 80% below where it was just a few years ago mm-hmm. in valuation. No way in the world are those loans going to get rolled over. Yeah. Well, so, I know, and so and so we've got a long ways to go, both in residential and commercial real estate. Which the commercial real estate really hasn't taken much of a hit yet, has it? Not yet, because those loans haven't reset. And right now, see, here, here's one of the things about the banks: the banks show those as productive assets because they're able to make the minimum payment. Mm-hmm. So as long as they make the minimum payment, even when rule, uh, FASB Rule 157 was was in play, they still had to uh, they, they still don't have to worry about these loans because they're getting paid. Well, once they fall off the books, then they're going to have to report them. Well, I know in talking to a banker friend of mine in New York, we, uh, my wife and I had dinner with him and his wife. Uh, he's a lender, a major, a major bank that lend, had lent to a lot of these mortgage companies. And I know he was expressing exactly that concern, that we're heading towards uh, some major resets, and there's you know, waves of these things coming, and, he, and he's uh, really confirming or you're confirming what he said very much. Uh, so, we, so we've got further to go in terms of wealth destruction. You would agree with that? Yes, unless people do one thing. Mm-hmm. What's that? Turn the, put some money in gold or silver. Yeah. If, if they, they do that, see, here's the thing. This, is not, this has happened before. Mm-hmm. This is not something new. We had it in the 30s. We had a similar situation in 79, 80 when we had stagflation. And if a person just had 10 to 20% of their portfolio in hard assets, they came out of it okay. But, you know, there's how many people could take 10 or 20% right now and, and buy gold? I mean, do p- people don't have any money. I mean, I'm talking about average people now. I mean, there are people that have money. So you're suggesting some people should take their stocks and bonds or whatever they've got left of the paper value and go buy something that's real. Absolutely. They should take a portion of it. Nobody should ever do everything yeah. 100%. That's how a lot of people got into this mess in the first place. They put 100% in stocks. They put 100% in real estate or whatnot. 
as long as they take a portion. And there's different ways you can do it. If you have enough money to go into the bullion market like we deal, like we deal with, that's one way for investors for investment size assets. But if you can't, even if you go to your local coin store, and the markups are pretty good, they're pretty steep, but if you just get the, you know, the small, the silver and gold ingots, and you put them away, you should be all right. Well, so you think that we have a lot further to go. What about the economy in general? Do you, do you see, I mean, I, we're hearing a lot about green shoots. What about these green shoots? Anything to well, it? Or are these just, no, just a, a lot of spin? Nah, a couple of, to, use, to use their analogy, a couple of green shoots in a dying garden doesn't make a healthy garden. <laughs> we saw that, again, I, I, go, I go back to history because I'm a big student of history, but in 1929 and 1930, when the stock market crashed and we had the precursor to the Great Depression, we saw two things happen. We saw a 50% bounce back in the stock market after uh, the first drop in 29. We also saw a mini recovery in the economy. Both were head fakes because the government tried to stimulate things. It tried to give people confidence, which is part of its job, and it's part of what they're trying to do right now. But they could not do enough. It's not physically available for them to do enough. And what happened was turn right back down. We had six what we call sucker rallies between 1929 and 1932, and the equity market dropped 89%. Real estate followed, and, you know, that's the way it, it looks. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> well, a lot of people were sucked in to the market, and, you know, the, the initial decline was frightening enough, I guess, but, you know, people were jumping off of buildings and so forth. But then uh, there was this bounce back, and then the real devastating decline, as you're talking about later, I think that's when people were hurt worst. Is that right? Absolutely. That's when the average guy got really, really hurt because the, the big speculative players, they got taken out in the first wave. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were heavily on margin. They were, they were uh, tenfold on margin. They got wiped out when the first drop. But it was the average guy trying to jump in to, to make some money, to try and get some assets, to get some earnings quickly. Those are the ones, they got hurt the worst. And we're seeing a lot of that right now. And one of the reasons to me is because America has been, I don't want to use the term brainwashed, but educated improperly. Mm-hmm. They think the only way they can invest money safely it now is in, are in stocks, in what they call blue chips. But even GM, my goodness, who would have ever thought to see General Motors trading on the pink sheets and then going bankrupt? Well, it certainly was. A, it certainly has been a shocker. I guess there have been people that have sort of been warning about it, but, you know, no. I, I must say, I don't think there's anybody that really predicted that. It's, it is a shocker. The bluest of blue chips in America is now, has now gone down. So you think this is really a sucker's rally. Do you, what do you see on the downside for the equities then? You said 50% more from where we are? Yeah. I, well, here's the thing. We're going to drop in time. Mm-hmm. We're going to drop and we're going to have fits and starts. There's going to be different bounce backs and there's going to be different rallies. There or, there's, you're always going to have that. But if we do see a replay of 1929 in percentage terms, yeah. you're looking at about 19 or 1800 on the Dow. Wow. Do we get that low? Honestly, I don't know. My crystal ball doesn't talk to me that clearly, mm-hmm. but 3000, uh 3500 that would not would not surprise me in the least. The question is going to be this, Jay. What takes the place of the current companies and what happens to the banking stocks when they get hit? Oh my goodness. Well, we just bail them out, don't we? We print some more money and bail them out. It, it, that doesn't work. Right now, the, the government just announced, the Fed's got a new program to absorb $1.75 trillion in bank loans and mortgages. Where, <laughs> they just keep doing it. Where are they, they going to get the money? They just keep doing it. 
Where do well, they get the money? that's the big question. The Fed has unlimited printing power. They used to have to ask the Treasury, but now it seems they're in bed together. So that's where you, I mean, I'm trying to understand this because here we have this tremendous, what seems to me, deflationary pressure you're talking about. I mean, if I look at a Dow heading as low as 1800 or 1900, I mean, that's deflationary. We have unemployment rising, the worst we've seen since the 30s, I've been mm-hmm. ready. You know, all of these are sort of with downward pressure. I guess what you're saying is that the government then will turn around and print. I mean, they can't borrow. There's not even the Chinese have enough money to lend us. Even if they lent everything they had, they don't have enough to lend everything the Treasury has to go out and borrow, do they? No, and the Chinese are selling our – they're not buying our debt. You can they're, I can tell you right now, the Chinese don't want our debt, and the Chinese have a plan of their own. And we'll it does not include America being number one. Yeah, I want to ask you about that because I know you have some definite views about China and, and the role they're playing in the world and and with uh, with gold and so forth. But so so this, I guess, is where you see the inflation coming in. The government can't borrow. There's not enough savings in the world to finance Uncle Sam's exactly. insatiable debt uh, appetite to borrow and to do good in quotes for all these uh, all these banks. And I would say all their crony capitalist friends in these large banking institutions. These guys are still taking out big bonuses from what we hear. You know, all those guys are doing just fine. They don't care too much, I think, about the auto worker in Ohio or, or Michigan, but the big uh, the big guys that run the banks are being taken care of quite well. So I guess this is your argument then for the inflation and the hyperinflation even is that in spite of these tremendous deflationary pressures, you have this, this endless amount of money that can be created. But here's the question I have for you, Jeff. What we're seeing now is very much like the 1930s in that the banks won't lend that much because they, they can't find good credit where they're bar- borrowers. The credit cards are being taken back. Meredith Whitney talks about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the corporations are not, well, there's some that are healthy enough, but, you know, business conditions are so poor they're not borrowing. So you're, you're I mean, how do you expand, how do you get inflation through the banking system in this situation? Or does the government just have to turn around and hand out, you know, transfer payments uh, by by you know trillions of dollars of transfer payments to every little Joe Schmo, um, middle income, lower income people to get them to spend. Well, unfortunately, I think we're right between a rock and a hard place, and the rock is hyperinflation, and the hard place is is deflation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And right now, we've got unprecedented pressure to both sides. I mean, the consumer is not going to have the excess buying power uh, or credit to buy our way out of this. So, yeah, that's another deflationary uh, pressure point. But if we could possibly get hit with both, I think we would. Again, I look back to 1979 and stagflation where you had a debt economy and rising costs. The thing about this, we're in a fiat, econ- we're in a fiat currency economy. Yeah. Back in yeah. 1930, yeah, and the, a gold standard is not a panacea of everything good. We had no. the crash and the depression and yes. there's a gold standard. Mm-hmm. But the thing is this, we had that gold standard, which I think allowed us to get out of it. We don't have that now, so we've got a situation where we could have the deflationary pressures Mm -hmm. that we had in 1930, Mm -hmm. and then a devaluation, a de facto devaluation of the dollar to a point where it's inflationary because it just takes that many more dollars Mm -hmm. to buy the same goods and services. So you could have the worst of both worlds, high unemployment and rising prices, very dramatic rising prices. And it's been coming for 70 years. Yeah. Well, since there's no anchor anymore, there's no limit to the amount of money that can be created, the giveaway programs. I've got to shift. We've only got a little more than four minutes here yet, Jeff. It's gone so fast. China. You mentioned China. China is a rising power. Would you agree with that statement? China is not only a rising power. I'm going to give you a couple quick and hard facts. 
China has our manufacturing and our uh, production. They, they built it themselves, number one. Number two, China is taking over the number one spot in the world from us as the largest producer of gold. They're also buying gold more than any other country out there. So the future, to me, I don't know if they've got enough gold yet, but I think they will. If they go on the gold standard, we can kiss it all goodbye. Uh, what do you mean by that, uh, we can kiss it all goodbye? Well, I mean, you can kiss your paper money goodbye. Okay. I mean, it's not, so, but, the dollar's not going to be worth the, print, the, the, the paper that is printed on. If a major economic power leaves the fiat system, mm-hmm. others are going to have to follow. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to follow or we're done. No one's going to want a currency of paper when you can get one that's backed by gold. Well, that's very interesting. You know, this is what the IMF prohibits nations from using gold, from backing it up for exactly that that reason, I believe, because if one country started, the rest would have to go that way because they would have the superior currency. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. If you think that I don't personally, I don't think the Chinese really care about the IMF or much about the Western world. uh, Period. I mean, they don't need it. All they need. To really do it as a strong uh, local buying base to supplant the bulk of the U.S. consumer. And they're building that. And they're building that every single day. Well, the Chinese uh, have their own problems, of course. They, they, don't, um, they don't have a strong demand from the consumer at this point in time. They're still orientated towards exports. Do you see that changing? Do you see China? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things the Chinese recently did, and it helped kick, you know, revamp up their growth in their economy, was to give, just what you said, they gave their uh, people, their citizens, coupons. Mm-hmm. They didn't give them money, they gave them coupons, uh-huh. and the coupons could only be used to buy things like automobiles, refrigerators, things like that. Ah. That's why they had a research, they had a 47% growth rate in their auto industry. And granted, it came from a very low level, mm-hmm. but that's what did it. So they're building. They know what they need to do, and they've got a very long view. Unlike Americans who have a short view, they've got a very long view. So they're doing what they need to do. The Chinese are the largest gold producer. They're, they're, how much gold do you think they own now? Well, we the last – well, you have to think. We don't know because two things happen. Number one, we've got to rely on them to say how much they're producing. Yeah. And they came out and said they're producing, uh, I think it was 280 metric tons uh, per year in gold. That was the last report that I saw. But on top of that, they are buying their gold primarily in over-the-counter, in, in, in off-market trades. So we can only go by what they say. Mm-hmm. And But what they say are the tune of picking up 600 million, uh, 600 metric tons to 1,000 metric tons just in the, just in the last uh, three or four years. So you see China as a rising power, a superpower, an economic power, uh, military power, possibly? Well, that normally goes with. Yeah. And then what happens to the West? The West has to, honestly, the West has to go back to, you know, basics. Building wealth. They've got to buy, they've got to buy gold. They've got to buy silver. People are going to have to go through some very difficult times, and they're going to have to, we're going to have to find a way to create and produce what got us to where we are today that are that's long-term jobs that are sustainable that people can grow with and stay with well unfortunately we're just about out of time jeff i've got to ask you again um, people can follow your work uh, at your website and what is that website again the website there's two websites it's uh-huh. spiker metal yeah spiker metal news that's s-p-y-k-e-r metal news they can also go to spikermetals.com that's metals plural or they can call us the number is 888-779-5374
Well, thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, that's you're very enlightening. Uh, thank you for your information and your views on inflation. I think they're certainly well po- worth pondering, and I would suggest to our listeners that they do follow up. Jeffrey has an excellent blog that he writes and contributes his in his views to. It uh, would be well worth your your while to go visit that site. Thanks again, Jeffrey, for being with us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. We'll have to do it again. Oh, I'd love to. Coming up next, uh, I'll be sharing you, uh, sharing with you the ideas of Chen, uh, Chen Lin, Lena, Mona Saritas, and Roger Wiegand. Uh, neither, all three of those people were not able to be with us today, but I'm going to pass on some of their views, and I'll have some of my own, and so don't go away. We'll be right back. markets up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. For asset security in uncertain times, gold has always been the investment of choice. One of the best ways to profit from gold investing is to buy shares in companies that are exploring and developing gold deposits. Coral Gold is a gold exploration and development company with over 2.3 million drill-indicated ounces of gold. Coral Gold's low market cap allows investors to participate with leverage in a rising gold market. Coral Gold has a long track record of success in Nevada, dating back over 25 years. Visit Coral Gold on the web today at CoralGold.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. 
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, Taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and again, my website is miningstocks.com where you can learn more about my work. Uh, this week, we did not have time to have Chan uh, Lin, Lena Monasaritas, and Roger Wiegand with us, uh, but I do want to just pass along a couple of their ideas. Lena is noting that the uh, that there seems to be some growing concerns about bank portfolios in Europe, and yesterday that news came out and the markets were hit pretty hard, uh, in large part because of that. Uh, as our as our guest just told us, he thinks that the banks in the U.S. are not finished with their with their problems. That the mortgage market is very very much in trouble, um, and we're going to see um, a significant uh, angst in the equity markets too, in his view. Yet. Um, Roger Wiegand is noting that Luis Yamada, a very highly esteemed technical analyst, is warning that there could be some downside here in the gold markets. Um, Roger's view is that 850, we could see, we could see, uh, if certain levels don't hold, we could see the price of gold falling to $850. I would view that as a long-term bull on gold as a fantastic buying opportunity, and I would guess that a lot of our mining shares are going to be extremely good opportunities uh, companies that we just talked to, uh, Hawthorne Gold and Coral Gold, are certainly two companies that you want to consider looking into, uh, possibly buying some. In our newsletter, we really suggest that people not add more than about 5% of any one name to their portfolio. Mining is a very risky investment, and mining is a risky business. It's not, uh, you know, owning gold is safe. If you invest in a mining company, there are risks inherent in that business. However, the upside is enormous. And if you can buy these companies at lower prices, they're real companies that are producing gold or they have the prospects of doing so, good uh, management and so forth, you can do extremely well with uh, with junior mining companies especially. Now, Chen Lin is not with us today. He's actually traveling up in uh, in Ontario visiting a property that Apollo Gold has. And I must say it's Chen's favorite stock is Apollo Gold right now. His favorite gold stock anyway is Apollo Gold. And I must say, I'm pretty much with uh, Chen in agreement there. Apollo Gold has uh, one mine they're going to be producing, they are producing from right now, and should produce upwards to 150,000 ounces at a $350 cash cost or less. So you can do the math and figure out what kind of numbers, uh, cash flow numbers this company should produce. But what's really exciting is some more exploration news that came out last week. About three and a half kilometers away, they have another property and it looks like the two properties probably link together. But the first drill results that we've seen from the other property, from the second property where they're exploring, not from where they're producing, were very, very strong and suggest that probably uh, the grades will be higher there, actually, than they have been in the mine where they're producing right now. Well, looking at this market now, I really do believe there is some concern for the equity markets I follow Dr. Robert McHugh's work, and we're going to have to get him on our show sometime soon because he just is excellent in my view. Dr. McHugh believes that we had the big wave A down last fall, that what we're seeing now is a B wave up, very much 
uh, like our guest was suggesting, that we are going to have another big plunge down. Dr. McHugh calls that the sea wave down. He calls it potentially a cataclysmic nation-changing event to correct the bull market that began in 1718. In other words, this could be a lot bigger than what we saw in the 1930s or what our grandparents saw in the 1930s, a nation-changing event. That sort of coincides with what with what our special guest, Jeffrey, was just telling us as well. His view is that China is a rising power and China is you know, rising economic, probably a rising military power. Well, we've had a good run so far this year with our model portfolio. We're up about 50% thereabouts. And so we suggested in our newsletter last week that investors might want to start taking some cash off the table. They may want to start cashing in and building some cash for a couple of reasons. First, uh, we think that there, that if we're going to head into a, a major decline in the equity markets, we want to hedge that and, and have something that goes up when the equity markets go down. SDS is an ETF. That's one possibility, although it's very volatile. It's uh, highly leveraged. Uh, the Prudent Bear Fund is a fund that we have in our in our model portfolio, the Prudent Bear Fund, which also takes a long position, a short a small long position in gold and gold shares. B E A R X is a symbol for that. And we want to have some cash so we can get into the Prudent Bear Fund and or the SDS fund uh when uh, Dr. McHugh's C wave starts to hit or when we get through or nearly through with the B wave up. We also believe that the equity markets, or the, I'm sorry, the debt markets are in big trouble. We think that the chances are very good that we've seen the highs in the debt market and that we're ready to start a long-term bear market in long-dated U.S. Treasuries. If that's true, there's some ETFs that you can make a lot of money on by being on the short side of the bond market. And the bond markets, when those things go down or when they start a trend, they're very, very long-term trends. I mean, this bull market in the U.S. Treasury started in 1982 and has lasted until now. The long-term bear market should also be very rewarding for those who are on the right side of that market. So we want to build up some cash for those two purposes. And a third purpose, purpose that we need to own, uh, build up our cash is because we think the initial decline in the gold shares could be significant as well. Yes, I believe you can make a case that gold and gold mining will be very, very strong, but when the margin clerk calls, the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater. You sell what you're able to sell, not necessarily what you want to sell. So our feeling is that gold shares could get whacked real hard along with the general market. So if we take some money off the table now, build up our cash, we'll have some cash that we can use to hedge against the equity markets decline and also to buy some junior gold stocks at very, very good prices in the not-too-distant future. Um, if if we do get this deflationary plunge, and, and our guest today, Jeffrey, is not correct on his inflation, then I think gold mining is going to be extremely rewarding. We have a number of very interesting gold mines. I just mentioned gold mining companies that we think are very, very good. I just mentioned Apollo Gold, which is one. There's another one that I talk about in my newsletter. You'll have to subscribe to learn about it. It's a Nevada gold producer that is already the largest silver mine ever in uh, in Nevada, the silver state, and I believe that the market is not recognizing the value of the silver this company has. It's a very, very undervalued company, and I'll be talking about it more. If you'd like to learn more about my newsletter, I said go to my website at miningstocks.com. You can call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, for a special trial subscription. We're offering a, tri- a special trial subscription for $29 uh, for one month. Call Claudio Bossi at 718-457-1426. You can also learn uh, to know more about Chen Lin's work as well as Roger Wiegand's work there 
And uh, we really, we're just about all out of time. I should say that next week we're going to be talking with Ingrid Hibbard. She is the president and CEO of Palangelo Explorations, another excellent exploration company, one that I love a lot. They are also sponsors of this show. We will also be talking to Roger, Lena, Chen, um, and myself, and we're going to take calls next week. We were going to do that this week, and then our special guests appeared, and we had to really had to give a preference to him. But next week, we're going to invite you to call in and ask us questions, and we may have it even open to ask Ingrid Hibbard questions about Palangio exploration. That's all the time we have now. Until next week, goodbye, and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.